Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to another episode of Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the mumbles to my one-two. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Yeah? You're definitely not as good-looking as mumbles, since it's Idris Elba. Well, that uh, mumbling, though. That works. And our very, our very own handsome Bob. Like Superman. That, that's right. It's Eric <laughs> Ronnebeck. Eric, how you doing, buddy? I'm fine. How was PowerCon? Uh, last... Uh, listeners from last week's episode know you went to PowerCon, the He-Man convention. The He-Man what convention. What was the coolest thing that happened at PowerCon for you? Um, I got to make... person, thank you. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, honestly, I networked, hopefully, to get some like uh, some free stuff and work with a company. Um, I'll talk about that off the show because something cool happened. I got to see Donald Faison three feet away from me, and I don't care about Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes. Kind of gave me the what's up because I talked, kind of hung out with him couple months ago all this boring shit no one cares about on to seahawks football all right seahawks played a preseason game at minnesota we have a lot of things to talk about as usual we're going to use the uh, 53 man roster to kind of frame our conversation in the preseason so first up we got the quarterbacks russell wilson got into the game uh, and looked Woo, like looked like the guy who is gonna be our uh, our franchise quarterback he was sharp uh started, the they, like they threw there's two things i took away from this one he kept for once uh, which is he promising. He twice. And the second thing was, mm. he, uh, he there was a, a series of plays where he audibled out of runs, and they threw it four times in a row. And uh, I, chef fingers to the hands, the kiss. I, I cannot stress enough how exciting that is. Uh, four throwing plays in a row is something that last year would have been unheard of in the first quarter. And uh, maybe maybe we're turning a corner. Maybe Shotty Shotty Too Hotty is ready to go. I'm I'm ready for Shotty Too Hotty to to throw 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 baby. Let's do it. Hey, they, we said that uh, they said they were going to throw more this year, and who knows if that's true. Uh, I you said he kept, he kept for once. Kevin said he kept for twice, but I believe one was designed, and the other one looked like it was less designed. There was a scramble, and then I think there was a uh, a run pass option where okay, he took yeah. the run attempt. He had one scramble and one run, uh, one rush. The scramble yardage was the four yard run, and the the uh, designed run yards were five, was the five yard run. Yeah, and I believe the design run he had like a single read and uh, took off to the side on like a boot action. So then uh, Paxton Lynch comes into the game. Does the opposite of what he did last week. Looks pretty universally terrible. Playing behind a really bad offensive line. The Paxton Lynch stat, though, that really uh, stood out for me was the fact that Paxton Lynch got a clean pocket 10 times. And last game, when Paxton Lynch got a clean pocket, he was excellent. He was 11 for 14 passing. This week, he goes 4 for 10, 3.4 yards per attempt. Looks terrible. Only completes one pass over 10 yards. Um, Paxton Lynch is a guy that could be on our roster this season. And you know what? I'm going to say what I always say. If Russell Wilson gets hurt, we're screwed anyway. It doesn't really matter. Um, but Paxton Lynch was, I think, that not, this is not his best showing. I think the, what the, we've re- seen, the revenge factor against Denver wasn't there, right? <laughs> yeah, I think what we've seen is Paxton Lynch can do a couple of things. Um, he can do quick dump-offs and screens behind the line of scrimmage. He can. He's uh, pretty solid, solidly accurate uh inside of 15 yards over the middle but if you're trying to get like more than 10 yards down the field on the sidelines those are just not throws that he does well he also had a really seems to have a lot of trouble reading the 
like second layer of the defense. He also had a really nice scramble that was called back for a hold. That was a good that, scramble that I think showed he does have good athleticism. If if push comes to shove and we're stuck with Paxton Lynch, you know he'll get a few good scrambles. But he's a one-read quarterback. It's kind of like having bad Kaepernick as our quarterback. Yes. Yep. Um, where Runs he, like a gazelle, but only on, to the sideline. Right. Runs like a gazelle, but he... he kind of more like a baby giraffe. Makes that, makes that first read and then makes a semi-accurate throw. Yeah, he's not going to put any touch or finesse on the ball. I think what kind of sucks about having so many injured quarterbacks this game, injured backups, injured Geno Smith, is that Seahawks fans are cheated out of... What backup quarterback are you going to root for the contract? Right. <laughs> because that's what it really is. Because then they threw JT Barrett to the Wolves. Obviously, they <laughs> they kind of wanted to give him another week in the system to learn what he was supposed to do. Instead, Paxton Lynch gets murdered. Uh, really bad hit. And then he did slide really late. But anyone who but blames him for that, that like bad. you don't lower your head like that. That's not heads up football. That's I don't a understand bad how the refs can try really hard to to rush to look at the Marquise Blair hit last week. And see if they need to uh, kick him out of the game. And this game, they were like, that's, a, that's probably a penalty. It just seemed a little irritating. Hill did get tossed, though. Yeah, yeah, but it took him longer, Kevin. So, okay, then... Different teams, I know. So then JT Barrett comes in and looks... Like, he makes one decent throw he and He comes two, in and looks like he's been there for two Two days. horrible throws, and it's like, oh, yeah, this guy was not ready. He doesn't know how to do anything yet. So that was kind of uh, concerning. But so, Kevin, are you with, are, are you still with Lynch over Smith and Barrett for that uh, backup quarterback spot? I am, but I think it's a pretty tight race between Smith and Lynch right now. Okay, uh, I think we have no idea what we're getting in Barrett yet, and so I won't... I, when I'm evaluating him in the preseason, I'm completely disregarding this showing. Yeah, and we're not the kind of team that keeps three quarterbacks, so nope. it's not happening. We're not. New Orleans did that last. Had, is going to do that this year and did that last year. Uh, the Chargers have done that to to develop uh, Cardale Jones, but we're not the team that's going to do that. We're not nope. going to keep a third quarterback to develop JT Barrett. If uh, I'm handicapping the race, I'm putting it at about fifty fifty between Smith and Lynch still. Yeah. All right, Eric, what about you? Where are you, where are you at on this? For Same the backup, thing. Backup battle. It all depends on if Geno Smith can play this week. If he can't, it's Paxton Lynch all the way, uh, unless JT Barrett comes out slanging. But at this point, I feel like it's an even race between JT Barrett and yeah. myself. Or I, if Lynch looks like this with better blocking. I give Smith a That's sl- shaky. That's hard. I actually give Smith a slight edge right now because he got the first chance with the ones, which I think tells us what the team thinks about him based on the practices. And then... So I'd go like 50% Smith, 45% Lynch, 5% Barrett. Well, but it's he's close. It's close. He looked so I, – I think he looked worse than Paxton Lynch, though. He did look worse, but he was playing against better competition. I mean, if you switch those roles, I don't. Th- I think Smith could have torn up Denver's backups, too. Let J- Jazz Ferguson just jump over like a 5'10 guy a bunch of times? That w- that's not hard. Oh, we'll get to him. <laughs> All right, let's go <laughs> to – talking running backs? Let's go, I'm thinking Arby's. So the ones used Chris Carson uh, – the whole time. Then uh, then Penny comes in with the twos and threes. And a lot of people are just burying Penny. Penny should get... I've seen this on Reddit. Penny should be cut. Penny shouldn't make the team. Rashad Penny doesn't look too good. Okay, Rashad Penny, on average, in this game, was hit one and two-third yards behind the line of scrimmage. Okay, he had negative two yards rushing and eight yards after contact. That means that he was hit, on average, one and two-thirds yards behind the line of scrimmage. The run blocking with the twos and threes was shit because all of our starting offensive linemen basically are hurt. Fant's hurt. Uh, Dwayne Brown didn't, pl- didn't, didn't play much. Then we got our guards are both hurt. So we got our starting center, and that's and then a Fetty, who is 
a Fetty. He's not bad, but he's not he's not going to carry an, a bad offensive line. I thought so. I thought like this guy has no offensive line talent in there in this game, and he's got to run behind these guys, and he's just getting hit behind the line of scrimmage. So who cares that he had six pretty poor rushes? Uh, look at the sample size from last year where he was our leading rusher in terms of yards per av- carry average. Okay, he was good. He was not great, but he has an explosive playability. We saw some of the big, big plays that he made last year, and he's a nice compliment to Chris Carson's battering ram attack that he can put on a defense. There's no way that Rashad Payne doesn't make this team, and he is someone you should still be very excited about. Um, Eric, Kevin, you could talk about these guys, or you could skip right to Travis Homer. I don't care. My rant is over. Uh, I think the secret to Rashad Penny's uh, failures this week lies in where we're probably going next, and that's the offensive line. Um, the left side of the line that Rashad Penny had to work with was, we'll get there. Uh, the right side wasn't much better. Yep. Yeah, solid. That's it. What about Travis Homer? What did you guys see there? Did you guys see? So I see a guy that can move between the tackles. I see a guy that still didn't get much more opportunity than Penny did. Um I think it's too early. I'm excited to see him play. I think he's going to be fine. But this week was was not a great week for evaluating the second-team offense. I think he got the outside sweeps that Penny should have gotten. Penny's most effective as a runner in space. He can make a single end or a single linebacker miss. But when he's getting swamped over, he four of, his six, uh, four of Penny's six runs were between right guard and uh, the center guard gap on the left side. So a lot of interior runs. He's best in space. You can see that on the screen passes. Uh, Homer got those situations. He got two tosses over left end, and those were his two long runs, uh, totaling 12 yards. So I think Homer got the better rushing situation and showed he, it. He got but the he benefit. Was an effective of, player, good for him. He got the benefit of having Rashad Penny yeah, I mean, get buried a couple I, I times. I can see right? why he's getting. Yeah. Uh, I can see why the team's excited about what he can do. Yeah, I think that the three running, the, the top three running backs on this team right now, uh, Penny, Carson, and Homer, look real good. That it doesn't seem like we're gonna have a big step back from losing Mike Davis. I think Homer, Homer, and then continued development from Penny should cover pretty much all of that. And then that leads us in a spot where running back's going to be a real team strength this year. And if we decide to run a bunch of times in the game, we have the, the horses to do it. It's not going to be a total disaster. I want us to throw more, but... It'd be nice if know. our rushing attack was our plan B, our ground chuck, exactly. if you will. Um, okay, let's talk about Ballor. Pete Carroll gave us a real shot to see what does this offense look like without a fullback. Ballor got one snap at fullback. No one else got a fullback snap. We really did not see any use of fullbacks in this game, and I thought the offense looked completely fine. And I think Pete is really trying to see, is can I live without a fullback on this roster? Because that one Belor snap, that could go to Nick Vanette. That could go to to uh, George Fant coming out of the backfield. They, you could do that a number of different ways, right? That could go to Chris Carson lead blocking for Rashad Penny. Right. It doesn't matter. You you can keep Bo Scarborough just because he's a more flexible player, right? There, the I think that the... The Seahawks really took a look this week as what is what do we look like without a fullback, and I'm I'm pretty pleased with it. I'm 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 on full on I'm full in on on team team no fullback, and I'm pretty sure everyone else is too. Are we in agreement on that? I think it feels it feels redundant and a little stupid to keep a fullback, and I know I can sense this fear in your voice that Pete's just going to keep a fullback no matter what. But yeah, there's there's no reason to. Hopefully, this is Pete saying. You know, let's let's see if we really don't need it, and I think he's right. Uh, fullbacks are coming back into style to an extent in the NFL. You're starting to see more of them in certain types of offenses, especially that 
Shanahan McVay offense. Right, the, the catching fullback. And that's what I'm about to say. That's a pass catching fullback, which is a completely different role. So while people are listening to national broadcasts talking about how the fullback is back, uh, that's more like if we used a Jacob Hollister in an H back type role, mm-hmm. um, like the old Chris Cooley. Uh, position with uh, Washington. I mean, the thing about, about 10, the 49ers is, I mean, obviously we all know that uh, Jimmy Garoppolo sucks. But what are you talking about? <laughs> Hall of Fame fullback Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. in Shanahan's offense. So, but but Jimmy Garoppolo so passes from with, himself. With Kyle Judzik, they're using him as a weapon. He's not a blocking fullback. He can block, but they're using him as a pass catching weapon because what happens is you have to account for him because if you don't, you're giving up fifth chunk fifteen yard pass plays, and that's pretty unacceptable so you have to account for him with a linebacker which opens up gaps for other things to happen he's blocking without having to just be a blocker right he's blocking by being a weapon um okay let's go to wide receivers kevin you had some thoughts about jazz ferguson uh last week we kind of ranted a little bit about maybe the hype train going too fast what bore out for you in this game uh well i think we all get to go back to our boy denny green because jack uh, jazz ferguson you are who we thought you were and we did not let you off the hook. Yeah. It was, uh, that it would was, be uh, two catches on six targets. He had a drop. He had a fumble uh, going for some extra yardage. The big thing is uh, Jazz Ferguson, he had uh, you think a catch like, over Duke Thomas, and he went one for three against Holton Hill. If you think the guys covering him were good, like Duke Thomas, Benny Benwickery, Craig James, like these are not the names of people. I just you looked want over your shoulder to see those out. names. <laughs> also, some of those names did well against him. That's the thing, right? Benny so, ben, Benny Benwickery, exactly. Who's like a, a and marginal I, that's a corner? Let's say this uh, at the end, at the beginning of the game, David Moore was not playing outside, and if the team thought Jazz Ferguson was the guy. They would have gave him the chance to play with the ones there. They opened up an opportunity for someone to play outside receiver for the ones kind of out of the norm. And that opportunity went to Malik Turner. It did not go to Jazz Ferguson. Yep. That says a lot about where Jazz Ferguson stands with the Seahawks right now. He is an excellent candidate to be a practice squad development project. But he is not polished or ready for full-time NFL action in the least. If someone wants to deal us a six... Or a functioning piece for the D line or O line con- or something for con- him. Conditional tonight. S- conditional sixth. If he shows up in, in if he shows up in six of your games, we get a sixth. Otherwise, we'll take a seventh. Like that's that's fine. It's it's good. It's, you compare that to a guy like uh, Lockett and Brown. Each got two first down receptions. Okay, let's go with JB, man. JB was awesome in this game. Not and he was wide open on that ball that Russ overthrew. Like that, he should have had another yep. catch. Like J- for a first down that would have continued the drive. JB was excellent in this game and showed kind of i think they played him just to shut everyone up because in the first game they kept him off the field like hey we know what you are but this game they're like let's go ahead and cut it loose show everyone what you're all about like go out there and make it happen and, and he his really two did. catches came against Mackenzie alexander and anthony harris a starting corner and a starting free safety this is making quality plays against quality competition and i uh i owe jaron brown an apology because that was a guy that i was like nah he's he's 50 50 he's on the bubble yeah, he should have had like three catches for seventy yards. You you, yep. uh, you caught it last week, and you're right. That's fine. I'm sorry, Jaron Brown. <laughs> it's all right. Jaron Brown. Jaron Brown forgives that. you. And I am that real man. Two catches, two first downs. Should have had a third catch for a third first down. I'm just I'm pumped about Jaron Brown because with Jaron Brown, Tyler Lockett, and DeCalin Metcalf all on the field at the same time, that's an exciting position group. 
And I would have loved to see DK with the ones. It was the thing I was most excited about from the game. Kevin, I think, too. Yeah. And he just he picked up a knock on his knee. And now Pete Carroll's doing the Pete positivity thing where he's like, he'll be back by week one for sure. So I'm sure we'll see him in week six after he's on the pup list. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, that's too bad because I think those three guys all on the field at the same time, that's an exciting young positional group that uh, Russ could really get a lot out of. Oh, man, Uncle Pete. Like, if he was Joe Theismann's coach after that game, he'd have been like, uh, Joe's got a leg thing. We're going to keep an eye on he's it. He's got a legit knee sprain. Uh, I'll say this. Although I do want to see DK Metcalf pull down balls from the heavens, uh, catches from the heavens, mind you, Kevin. I see your, I see your smile. Um, I'll say this. It leaves uh, the door open for you know Jennings and maybe Ursua to get more in line with the offense, making this an even better rotation. When yeah, the, DK Metcalf returns. The whole, like, Jennings has dominant practice then doesn't show up in this game thing was not promising to I don't, me. I don't understand where... <laughs> Did not feel good about where that. Where he is. It doesn't... I have no idea where he stands it's on the team. It's really yeah. hard to evaluate the wide receivers that are getting runs with the twos and threes because our quarterback and O-line play is erratic, which makes it hard to know. But I, I would like to see more from Jennings Ur- than I am. Ursua has some really nice shake, but... But that we've seen in on his college tape and in that first game that he does do some dr- some dropping. You know, there's he has hands issues. So I'm worried that Yursua is the kind of guy who can get open, but then it's going to make crucial mistakes on third downs that keep him from ever making the leap. But I do like what I saw in this game in terms of route running, getting open. Uh, just seems like a promising slot prospect for sure. The thing that differentiates him from, for instance, Keenan Reynolds, who I like, is Ursua is one of those guys who just always seems to have a half step in his back pocket when he needs one. You just look and he just, he has like, it's like body control inside of his motion where Mm -hmm. suddenly he'll kind of turn just a little extra coming out of the route and he creates a little bit of vertical separation from his guy or something. He's just really good at getting that little bit of extra space. I hate comparing everyone to Doug because Doug was such a great player. But that, that was always what made Doug so good. So Ringer NFL Show did a uh, an interview with Hollywood Brown. And he, they asked him, what's the number one thing that you got from Antonio Brown, your, your cousin, that has made you such a great wide receiver? And he said that the number one thing that he got was that you don't have to run full speed all the time. Mm-hmm. You can run three-quarter speed. You can run two-thirds speed. And then bust it out when you need it to get that extra step. And Arsua does that. He lulls you into a false sense of security because he's not running as fast as he can. And then all of a sudden he turns his hips and he moves and you're like, whoa, that I'm he's gone. So that's kind of like a, a thing that, that, uh, that you can't. You got to know it's a knowledge thing because a lot of guys really just run full speed. Receivers do a lot of guys just run full speed all the time, and mm-hmm. then uh, you know Hollywood Brown and other really strong receivers don't do that because that's not the way to get open. Uh, Ursua is a guy that when he was drafted was like we picked this guy in the seventh round. He's probably not going to do much. Watch some tape. Kind of got excited last week. Got excited this week. We've we've praised him. We've said the problem with him. Jazz Ferguson, undrafted free agent. Uh, I would I would give Ursua the edge over Ferguson anytime, but at this point, Ursua looks like he's probably not making the roster unless he really shines in two games. And that's kinda sad because I kinda wanted to fall in love with him, but I, don't I know. think we'll keep six wide receivers, and yep. right now I have him in sixth. But it's a dogfight. I mean, he's got to beat Ferguson. He's got to beat Reynolds. He's got to beat Turner, who did get that run with the ones. So, obviously, the team really wants to see what he's all about. I think he's got to beat Turner and Reynolds. Yeah, what I've got to see is I've got to see Jennings show me something in this next game. Game three, I need to see him get a little bit of run with Russ, and I need to see him show me anything. Reynolds is a tough case because I highly doubt they'll just let him walk. They spent a pretty decent draft pick on him, and... 
you Jennings? Know? Yeah. yeah. And so Jenny, I I would be surprised if we just were like Jennings, bye, see you later. You're gonna you're on the you're off the team. So yeah, we've done it before, but it's a big waste of resources. It's a, it's a and it's a rarity. And uh, he's a not a devoid of talent type player or anything. All right, tight ends. Uh, Vanette Disling Hollister making the team. Dixon has a shot to make it if he's back off injuries. The other guys looked good, but this is just a really crowded position group, and I don't see. Um, much of a path for these uh, these other guys to break through. Not yep. that they played bad; they're all playing for jobs, and they played good. So maybe they'll get a, they'll catch on somewhere else, and good for them. It's just a really, really, really crowded positional room. Well, and I also we're sitting here saying I would really like to see so and so get reps with the first team. I think if you're a coach, you're kind of thinking if you can make it with the second team and you can break out there, then you'll have no problem with the first team. And that's got to be a coaching decision because my immediate thought was. How about in game three, we just see a lot of these guys that are on the bubble with Russ. But at that point, Russ still needs to practice. Everyone else wants to practice. You want to see that first team. I don't know. It's kind of a crapshoot. Well, you're looking at probably uh, two full quarters plus maybe one drive of the first teamers out there. So you'll probably see all the running backs and wide receivers in contention get an opportunity to uh, play with the ones for at least a few snaps here and there. I'm hoping Jennings just isn't invisible when he gets his shot. Because like last game he played 22 snaps and was pretty much invisible. I would give him an N.A. if you were asking me to grade his performance last game. Because it's just it was he wasn't really super open. Not like Ursua was getting open or, you know, so it's just it's tough. It's tough to evaluate. All right, let's go to the uh, the old tight ends we talked about. It's not much the there. The offensive line. Let's go um, offensive line. I've made some big changes to my predictions for offensive line. Um, Jamarco Jones, I moved down, and Nakansa, I moved to like definitely no uh, tackle. There is tough right now. There's three useful NFL tackles on this roster, and then Jones isn't really getting it. But one of them is also our best tight end. Yeah, Fant. I mean, it's tough. <laughs> like, where do we even put him? He's so good at everything we ask him to do. Uh, I think backup quarterback. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree, actually. Do you think he played Stop. quarterback in high school? I think he played quarterback uh, in my heart. Yeah, and then Posic actually had a good game at guard and really seems to be figuring out how to get get it going in multiple positions. I'm glad we're not playing around with him at tackle anymore. That's a bad idea. Um, but I really I, I thought he played good at guard, and I think the team knows he could play center in a pinch now. And then Joey Hunt comes out and – down that fumble recovery, keeping that play alive. I think stuff like that is why this guy keeps making this team. He really gives a shit and really wants to really plays hard and, and make brings out the most of the, on the team. And those guys matter to Pete. So he's still got a shot to make this roster. I don't know. It's, it's getting interesting in the, uh, the old backup offensive line world. Yeah. That is to say that I would love to see us bring in like a, someone from a different team on a seventh round with it for a seventh or sixth round pick, because boy, it is, um, yeah, especially at guard. Right now we have three tackles and three guards and three centers. And one of our centers is also a guard, so that's kind of okay yes. with Posich. But it puts us in this weird situation where, like, Fant's hurt right now. He's going to be back, but we're relying on our really only guy. Like, we tried to run Marcus Martin out there at right tackle. That was atrocious. Just got to see what we have, right? And what we had was someone who surrendered one less pressure than Nakansa. And if I haven't made something clear, it's if you are remotely close to Nakansa in any pass uh, pass blocking stat, 
You suck. Oh, man. At that best, he's so bad. At it, best, he looked like Justin Britt at tackle. Hey, Eric. Yeah. So Andre Dillard is putting up like god tier stats with the second team guys in in Philadelphia. Yeah. Do you uh do, do you does it make you a little sad? Like I know you wanted him so so bad, and he yes. did he did go pretty he got pretty deep into the draft. I don't want to talk about it. Okay. <laughs> I I read that too. How dare you? <laughs> I just wanted to bring it up because I, I literally say, just I you, saw the you story. nailed that you nailed that you you scouted him and said like I think this guy's really special like no, could be a number one long, off tackle for a long time going back you, you were like, correct yeah going back five good. six weeks like I mean it's all in the past but you guys are the draft experts you guys watch college tape and then you watch more tape and I listen to you and then I watch some tape I, I really was, I really wanted Dillard I, I was like I, you thought know he was good, I know what I'm talking about but. It's kind of hard to evaluate him because Dillard those, was those, fall to us. Cause those weird splits, and then so it's kind of hard for me to evaluate. And then you were like, "No, I, I think I see. So I, I get it here." And I was like, "All right, I think he's good." Because obviously, I love Washington State. But then again, <laughs> I mean, he's he's an old line guy. He might just fall apart in week three. The end. So yeah. All right. Whatever. So so offensive line right now, I don't really have mu- much say except for I think we keep nine guys. And uh, if the guards don't get healthy, it could be really really ugly to open the season. Roos. That project is over. Oh, uh, we can move on from that. Go away. And then Knox got hurt. If Simmons doesn't come back right now, uh, unless, unless we're playing Marcus Martin at guard and tackle simultaneously, I'm not sure how we would field a second team offensive line. Yeah, they're going to have to sign some guys. It's, it's going to have to Warren Kunz is going to play like the whole game. Oh, God, please no. <laughs> uh, okay. Move him to center. Move him to center. Let's get... Okay, that's the offense. I think of o- the earth. overall offensive feelings... <laughs> Team looks pretty good. The first team's exciting. Lockett and Brown on the Jaron Brown on the field at the same time is something I'm really pumped about. Those two guys with two tight ends and one running back, I think, could be like our base offense this year. And uh, yeah, that's that's my kind of overall thoughts on offense. Any th- parting shots before we head to the D? Uh, I think all that speed on the field at wide receiver is going to make it a big pain in the butt to deal with uh, uh, Chris Carson on stretch plays. So I look forward to how much that vertical speed on the field at wide receiver can run the DBs off and allow for more 10-plus yard runs. Another thing, too, is I think we're going to play games like with the, the two wide receivers and then one, and Jacob Hollister all lined up on one side of the field, kind of bunched and doing stuff like – and then having the other tight end square with the line, which is going to leave the left side of the field wide open. Or both and, Brown and Lockett can fake jet sweeps you know, on run actions. You know what team does that a lot? The, the Rams. I feel like that we're going to see some kind of Rams-ish stuff from well, the Well, Schottenheimer doesn't come from that different of an offensive tree. It's just he's utilized it differently. And these we're guys, talking about a motion West Coast offense. And they also, these guys have egos. And if you're hearing you know, all about how Todd McVay is this offensive mastermind and the Rams can do this, I think Shotty has something to prove a little bit. All right. The edge guys. Okay, so uh, Connor Green. Edge of roster, edge of defensive line. Yeah, so we have eight guys probably going for six or seven spots. Collier, Green, Martin, and Ansa are all pretty much in. And then uh, Mingo, Marsh, Griffin, and Jackson are kind of fighting for two or three spots. Griffin didn't get to play. Kevin, Jefferson. you said he had laceration on his leg. Yeah, I, he, had a, he had a laceration that was swelling up, so he actually couldn't travel. I think Jefferson's an interior defensive lineman. I know they move him around a lot. But he's gotten most of his snaps at end. For us, in the first game, he played mostly interior. In the second game, he played more exterior. I think they're just seeing what they have. Um, for us, in the end, I think he's a defensive tackle. So that's uh, that's my opinion on Jefferson. Um, okay. Do you, is any, did any of these guys stand out for you guys? Uh, any of these edge guys look really, really good to you? Or was it more kind of um, – a lot of people are doom and gloom about the pass rush. Uh, this, this is a bad pass rush. This team is in trouble. Zero sacks, only eleven pressures. Like, 
are you guys worried or did you did you see something that to get excited about? Well, we talked about them having to manufacture pressure, and that's going to be a thing. Um, I want to talk about Barcavius Mingo because this is a guy that last year I kind of got excited about, and then he was misused, underperformed. This preseason, I really don't know what to think. I think he's more of like a 60% to make the team. At times, I think he's more like flip a coin. He had some really good moments in this game. He had a couple not-so-good moments. He had that penalty. That was like, yeah. that's killer. That was the bad moment. And like, it was just... The killer. I also felt like he came off late, uh, I think like two plays before that. Um, I don't know what to think about this guy because in some ways, I feel like he could be our answer for you- like that that unsuspecting force off the edge. He should be that guy. I'm going to make you feel a little better, Eric. Please. He had 12 pass rushes, and or 12 times rushing the passer, and he got two pressures on that. So one out of every six. Okay. That's yep. pr- it's pretty good. Pretty solid. 15% is... Uh, is that's who really he should be. Yeah, that's a, a real. That's really solid. A good defensive end is around twelve percent, twelve to thirteen. Yeah, if he, if he hit fifteen all year, he would be uh, like really, really good. Uh, the other thing is, if you're someone who was really impressed by Shed's eighty-eight yard uh, pick six, then you should be very happy with Barkevius Mingo because he's the reason that play happened. Yeah, yeah. Uh, his Got pressure directly in the quarterback's face is what created the errant throw that basically went directly to Shed and running it back and the I'm gonna way. And I'm going to be honest. Other than that interception for the he touchdown, played like crap. Shed's game was kind of a disaster. Two missed tackles, gave up four receptions for 34 yards. Didn't didn't look super great. He looked old and other slow. Than, other than that, was placed. I do like the flexibility he offers. He's looked slightly below average at safety and slightly below average at corner. So, you know, he provides us with some roster flexibility if we want to be able to keep extra guys. But... At this point, I have a hard time seeing keeping him over someone like, uh, oh my gosh, Amani or Blair or not even that. Uh, above Shalom Luani, someone who can provide really special special teams support. Well, um, I, Luani was really good in special teams in this. I season. think. Oh, sorry. I was going to say I think he he has a slight edge being a veteran. Uh, he did have a the. The biggest play he gave up on the on the right side of the field where he had trouble turning and catching Oof. up with the guy that was really hard to watch because I thought oh this is a this is a young guy who is clearly out of position and I saw it was shed and I, yeah. I got I got immediately disappointed uh, to to finish up on the he played the most quick. out of everyone in the game too yes and it looked like it he looked tired um, to finish up the edges Jacob Martin had a pressure but also had a missed tackle and uh, looked like absolute crap in the uh, in coverage, uh, once again proving that we should never put him in coverage. What about Rasheem Green? Coverage machine, baby. Targeted yeah. once, got him down for negative eight. Uh, second one, <laughs> second place on coverage after easy. Yeah. Uh, and then Cassius Marsh looked like the best possible version of him, which is to say a functional rotation. Solid rotation. If, if 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 Marsh plays like that all year and he's our like number three DN behind Collier and Ansa, I'm into it. That's fine. He can play thirty to forty percent of snaps like that. That was good. I mean, obviously, he's fourth in my heart because Jacob Martin, number three. Okay. Um, interior. Let's go interior. I thought the Dessert. interior defensive line was excellent in this game. Let's save the best for last. So we'll go. We'll start with Ooh. Let's start with Al Woods. Al Woods looked really good. He will be a solid number three DT all year. I'm very excited to just watch him rotate into the thing. Nathan, I want to give you credit. You called this. Yeah, I, I said he didn't like, play, play last week because he's good. He, they know what they have. You know, uh, we talked about it in the offseason, how he was good two years ago. 
But I was like, yeah, he could be like solid rotation depth. And you're like, no, he's like legit good. You were correct. Yeah, and this game, he showed it. He he had a he had only seven pass rushes, but he got he got one hurry. He had two really good run stops. And honestly, the interior of that defensive line was really disruptive, especially at the beginning of the game. Uh, Al Woods played good. Let's go to let's go to the the other guy at the beginning of the game who played good. Let's let's just, you know what? let's not save the best for last. Let's just get it in here. Puna Ford is he body slamming people, throwing guys into other guys, pushing people around. Uh, Puna Ford is the uh, he's a people mover, and the people who thought oh he didn't do enough enough bench press reps because he has long arms for his tiny tiny little frame. Yeah, it's because he moves people with his legs. Like it's. It's Jarrell Casey 2.0. I'm so excited. And every time that comparison gets bringed up, I'm just glad that I started bringing it up almost a whole year ago because it's exactly right. He really is just a lower body person's mover. He he gets in there and he just moves two guys out of the way. What about the the, the one play where the he comes into the to Bradbury, who's a really good guard prospect. He comes in oh, he, he comes into him, him he, he pushes him over and Bradbury just like runs away into the second level, like, <laughs> I don't want anything to do with this. And then Puna Ford just eats the running back. And so he awesome. had a strip sack or he had a strip uh, of the running back. He met him two yards in the backfield, pulled the ball out of his arms, and it was called back on a completely bogus yeah. uh, forward progress call that would not have happened in a real NFL game. Hopefully, but 12. like the, that was that was a you want to talk, we talked about toxic differential last week uh, about Blair. This is Puna Ford toxic differential positive. Puna Ford played seven snaps against the run. And got a run stop on three of them. And that's uh, an absurd rate. And on a fourth one, he was able to occupy two offensive linemen. Push them straight back for yeah. Cody Barton to be able to make the running back stop uh, for a two yard gain on like, you know, on like a uh, like a third and four type situation. Um, this is just he makes a difference even when it doesn't show up in the stat sheet. This guy makes a difference on every single rundown. And on pass downs, he's learning how to make a difference there too. He's a lot bigger than he looks too. I mean, if you, uh, he's bigger than his than his card that shows his height. Because uh, when you look at him bringing people down, he is a bit massive. Eric, you always want a washing machine. Yeah. Uh, how would you settle for a especially large microwave oven? <laughs> he's a he's he a griddle. A, he is a mini bar fridge. He's a griddle. He can move. But he's heavy up top. Can we start calling him the Puna, mini bar? Puna and, sure. Puna and Al is a lot of meat in the middle, though. That's, Dude, they that's average 300 and 320 pounds together. <laughs> that's uh, that's Puna stealing 10 pounds from Al, uh, Al there. Okay, uh, That's the other thing we talked about is then you get Reed into that mix. And once Reed comes back, we have three Reed guys look, who Reed can Reed looked like he was shaking off the rust in this game. He did. He, that's he played like 26 snaps and was didn't have any run Not stops, didn't have any pressures, just looked kind of... Like a guy who knows he's not going to play the first six weeks. <laughs> uh, but those three guys can all play three tech and all play nose and all spell each other. So we'll have at least one, if not two of them out most of the time. And that's something to get excited about. And I think, about I think on the plays, they're not both out there. You got one of those guys out there. You got Q, Quentin Jefferson coming inside. Uh, playing a little bit, or maybe even Collier yep. or Green. One, um, one of the three. Then the other ends. one of these other guys is going to make it. One of these other tackles, uh, Earl Mitchell. Uh, Jamie Metter, Brian Monet, 
uh, Naz Jones, I guess. I would say he's basically out at this point, though. Uh, he's right there with JT Tuley. That's yeah, it. he looks like he's he's worked his way to to Eric. You are the first guy on that corner. Yeah, it's sad. Um, um, I'll say Monet or Mitchell. I kind of want to be up top. Is those are the two guys that are probably going to sneak see? in? I'm saying Monet or Metter. Those are the two guys who've impressed see? me. I'm in Jamie Mater, dude. I'm all in on him. I think okay. Jamie Mater. In the first week, he did a thing really well. In the second week, he did a thing really well, getting two run stops. It's just, it's he looks like he will consistently be. You know what he reminds me of is like. Shamar Steven, where he's not really good, but he's not bad either. Just kind of a steady hand that we can throw in there for 30 to 40% of snaps. Because if we would use Shamar Steven only on like 40% of snaps last year, I would have been great. Instead, we had to use him a lot more because we had uh, issues. Uh, he reminds me of a lot of those guys we had uh, right in like the 2011 through 13 teams that were like our third or fourth tackle. Where it's like, oh, he can kind of get upfield for a little bit of pressure. And he's like, he's pretty solid in the run game. And he's got a really cool beard. All right, okay. Let's uh, let's go to linebacker. Uh, we need to figure out if he can play acoustic guitar or not. Ben Burkirvin listens to this podcast because he was awesome in this game. I was, I was like kind of on his case last week. And he really showed me, hey, buddy. Uh, I'm 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 here to stay. I have this is a vicious linebacker. I have uh, three run stops and I have five tackles. And yeah, I'll shut up now. Ben Kirk, Ben Burkirvin, good at he's good. I knew he was good. That's why I was disappointed by his week one performance. Came out, showed what he was all about. Uh, Kevin, so, what about Calitro? Uh, Austin Calitro had an interesting game because he was everywhere and did everything in preseason game one. Like you know, we had to write our letters of apology. We did a couple of Hail Marys. We were asking for <laughs> forgiveness from the Church of Calitro. And <laughs> in this game, he continued to show that he's very, very good in run coverage. Six run stops. Uh, yeah. The thing that worries me, though, he was targeted four times, allowed three receptions. Kudos to him. He got the tackle right afterwards. Yeah. I always so, like the guys that keep the play in front of them and then make the tackle right away. Only allowed two yards after catch, which is pretty nice. What it tells me is Calitro is really good at what he's really good at and limited in a couple other areas. And so that screams to me a really solid fourth linebacker that and can play if there's injuries. Can we talk about a guy who dropped back into coverage twice as like a linebacker that probably shouldn't have? Let's hey, do it. Jacob Martin got targeted twice both times he dropped back and gave up 48 yards passing. That's because he's not good at coverage. Stop doing that, Pete Carroll. Let him do what he's good at. That's my boy that it's you're making look bad. It's you gotta, you gotta this stretch is him. Mango 2018 Part 2. Quit you doing gotta this. stretch him out to see if he's a guy that you can rely on. Yeah, you can't rely on him to do coverage. Well, he knows it now. He better know it now. He can handle... Uh, he should have known the, it in the first place. He can handle some run snaps. But the missed yeah. tackle. The missed tackle, too, on the one play. That the missed like tackle 45. was It's not good. Um, but I love you, Jacob. That uh, killed his whole. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure Jacob yeah, Martin was like, "Man, coach, don't do that." And coach is like, "Ah, eh, we'll see what you can do." Uh, Barton still really good. Don't have anything to say other than that. Uh, Barton is probably the rookie on this team. I would be most excited about to see on week one on Sunday, but he's not going to play week one on Sunday. He's pretty much blocked. <laughs> so we'll see him next year. Uh, he's he's just really good. You're looking at most likely your 2020 starting weak side linebacker. Yeah, once KJ retires, that's that's kind of where where Barton comes in, or or Kendricks moves on. One of those two things. Um, or we switch to a three-four full full time. And then he then he's on the field every play. Ooh, wishes, wishes. Uh, the um, I mean it's it's definitely possible. Uh, Michael Kendricks had a solid game. Kendricks played fine. a lot of snaps. Yeah, they played him a lot. Meant to make sure he was ready to go. I think Kendricks looked good. 
the linebackers seem pretty solid to me. It's really the question is like Calitro, Griffin, how does that shake out? That's kind of the last roster spot for a flexible defensive end slash uh, linebacker. Got to probably give the edge to Calitro right now because Griffin didn't play, but then Griffin also was awesome on special teams the first week. And was hurt. And so was hurt. So it's, it's, just, it's just tough. You, you know, you, you're not, they're going to have to make a call there, and that's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out weeks three, weeks four. All right, CBs? Let's do it. I'd uh, rather just can't move on. This is a, this is a tough one because Pass. this was a rough day for the corners. Kevin, what, what did you what did you see out there? Uh, Trey Flowers got too handsy. Um, he had a penalty and another one that wasn't called. Uh, but when he was covering without smothering people with his hands, he actually was pretty decent in coverage. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of up and down. He needs to clean the, it up. The, uh, the thing he, about the, the the first penalty is that like it wasn't a bad amount of contact. But the way that he contacted the opponent is the way that the ref looks to call the penalty. And Thielen, like, Thielen set him up. Yeah, uh, he Thielen, totally did. Basically, Thielen's a really good receiver, and he did two super cheap things that our corners fell for. The, uh, the against Shaquille Griffin, he had a very clear push off. The little elbow. Even on review, they didn't call. That is sneaky, a which that is a sneaky. A sneaky big elbow, receivers man. do it was though. Clear as day though. Like big name receivers do that. It's like their little baby stiff arm that they do. They and get away with. Doug did it sometimes. Well, and but that's what I was gonna say is outside of that, is, I don't think Shaquille had a bad little, game. Baby little, bit, little baby stiff arm. I think Shaquille had a pretty solid game outside of that one play that Thielen got on him with an offensive pass interference that went uncalled. So I thought Shaquille had a solid but not great day. I thought Flowers needs to clean up the penalties, but otherwise look decent. So on Flowers' play, play, he has a right to go for that ball, but he he takes his backhand, and Thielen turns his body a little bit, and and then Flowers takes the bait and puts his hand right on Thielen's back arm. And then as soon as Thielen feels that contact, he tries to put that arm up, which is going to draw that flag every single time. because he's restricting the second arm for the catch. And you just got to, like, not get rope-a-doped into that. You just got to, like, reach across without letting that arm... If he had done the exact same thing where he ran into his back like that and everything and came across with his right hand and batted the ball like he did, but never reached with his or uh, batted the ball with his left. If he'd have never reached with his right arm, yeah, or just, not or just put his right arm on the shoulder or something, it like would have he, been a physical play, but not a penalty. Yeah, so Trey, Trey just has to clean that up. But the pretty solid game from Trey. Uh, Jamar Taylor sucks. He's a game check. Shaq, this is where it got bad. Okay, bad Shed, game from a Jamar Taylor. Uh, okay, let's talk about Thorpe. Thorpe. Thorpe is fine. Thorpe is my dude. Uh, Thorpe really saw, showed us that he could maybe play some outside cornerback in a pinch for like eight plays. <laughs> That's all I got. Uh, he's awesome <laughs> on special teams. Three easies, really good pass breakup. I take back all the nice stuff I said about Akeem King. Akeem King's going to make the team, but that was not a good day. He got beat up by two guys that Laquan you don't want to get Treadwell beat up. Well, two for two. And Lenny Zykstra. Two for two for 33 from Lacan Treadwell. Two Lenny Dykstra is a retired baseball player, Kevin. And Kevin, of it was those uh, four, Todd Zeal. Of those four <laughs> of those four receptions given up to Treadwell and Zilstra, three went for first downs. So yep. they were all big they were all big important plays. That's not good. That's not where you want to be. Keep the guys in front of the sticks, make better plays. Akeem King struggled in this game, but to be honest with you, that kind of up and down performance is the reason that Akeem King is, is probably a roster. backup. And not going to be the guy who starts at outside corner or nickel corner. Yep. He's going to be backing up Amadi and the and the Griffin and Flowers. Amadi had a solid and, game at nickel corner. I still and think he's a really. Safety. I think he's real, still a really solid backup. Well, I think yeah. the, King. the problem with Akeem King in this game is if you look a little slow or you look out of position, that's one thing. But in this game, at times he looked like both, and that's like you're you're a young man. Why are you slow? You know what you're doing. Why are you out of position? 
Yeah, and when Shed came up and basically played nickel safety, uh, Shed is now too slow to do man coverage. Oh, yeah. He can do zone all right. He can't do man coverage. He just doesn't have enough steps. Yeah, I don't know where to put he was Shed always fringy on, on my roster projection anymore, but I think I'm going to move him. probably no. I moved him down to probably no, and I put Luani in, in, in his place. Just because Luani really seems like he's getting a good shot to show what he can do on special teams and is is kind of stepping up to the task. Lano Hill needs to get on the field, or he's going to get the, the pup well, list. The pup list, uh, see you later. The yeah. pup list, uh, see you next year. He was a guy that we were all pretty excited the, about, too. The, Dick, the Dixon. He's going to get the full Dixon. Uh, but McDougal, Thompson, Blair, Amadi. Let's talk about the Blair, the Blair Thompson thing. This is a, something that kind of has, is is settling over the team. Eric, did, did anything happen in this game that, that changed your mind? Do you do you have a favorite now? Thompson and Luan, or, uh, and Blair both played in this game. What, where do you stand on the, on the uh, starter battle? Okay, so I was all in on Marquise Blair before game one. And after game one, I was like, you know what? I still have some love for Marquise Blair because I see, I see what he could do in his game. After this game, like, I'm not saying he's off the team. I'm just, I really wanted more from him. I wanted some growth in this game. I didn't get it. Uh, you saw him lose a guy for a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. <laughs> thanks about that. Uh, <laughs> that, was, that was literally the only I'm play trying, I noticed him on. I'm trying to be, uh, I'm trying to be a little more optimistic because I, I like him so much. I'll say this. Thompson clearly has the edge at this point, but not. I get the feeling the team told him, don't go out there and make any mistakes. I don't care about the big hits. I don't care about you knifing in the backfield, all this crazy stuff you're doing. Go out there and show me you can play a steady game. And uh, <laughs> 16, the 16 snaps he played, he was not that. And then he, he left was, the back injury. And then he left with the back injury. And I think like he didn't he didn't totally get a chance to show totally... What, I felt like is? he was flat out bad on that touchdown catch he gave up. That's just t- missed his assignment. He lost the guy on That's that. That's right. When you said not bad, he he looked lost. He yeah. mostly looked lost. Yeah, Tedrick Tedrick's just going to provide more stability at the position right now, and I think and Thompson maybe has by the edge as a veteran, maybe by week eight Blair is ready, but week one I just he's not going to be there yet, and I'm hoping by the end of the season he's ready because the athletic skills and the the stuff we see on the exciting plays from like the first preseason game. That stuff is awesome, and I really want to see it. But week one, if they throw him out there, he might get picked on like Shaquem got Griffin got picked on in that Denver game, yep. where they 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 look where he is on the field and say, okay, let's see if this guy fucks up and we can take advantage of it. I don't feel like it's any secret or any. There's no way I don't think that Tedrick Thompson does not make this team. But with uh, with Leno Hill not playing and Blair being a young prospect, I feel like that might be his way in. That probably is his way in. Yeah, and then just to address it one more time, uh, I have three things to say about Ugo Mati. Solid nickel snaps. Did not look good at free safety and coverage. I mean, he just looked like... Man, that special He let a couple hit. guys get loose, but they didn't. he didn't get burned Let's by it. Let's just talk about the special teams hit. That's okay. all I want to talk okay. about. All right. Uh, he That was impressive. He's a really good tackler. Like, even the two tackles he made on regular defense, yes. he really understands how to, like, make a really solid... Like heads up Seahawks style, perfect tackle. I, I love it. I love it. Already. As a safety though, he lacks decisiveness. And he's five foot nine. I think that's gonna that's all that's gonna be something that's difficult for him his entire career as a starting safety in the NFL. Is he's, yep. he's really undersized. But well, early, you know he doesn't have nine. this crazy vertical or anything to make up for it. No, he's just he's a ball hawk though. He makes plays. 
Uh, and I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm super pumped for Ugo Amadi. Yeah, probably I just number, want to see him only get slot nickel, uh, slot corner. Number played. two on my defensive rookies uh, power rankings behind Barton, I think, is Amadi. And then uh, number three, I think Burke Kirby came up to number three. He looked really good in this game. I was really happy with how how disciplined and decisive he was. Um, okay, anything else you guys want to talk about? You want to talk about Dixon Kixon? Uh, how about how about uh, Jason Myers? Uh, you know what? I'll say Myers. Myers looked good in this game. And uh, he's back. He's back, ladies and gentlemen. A guy that we do you think we'll cut him for? Ago. You think we'll cut him for Janikowski again? <laughs> I'm sure we will. <laughs> Just no to reason. save money. Sign Alindo Mari. God dang it! Why did we do that last year? I'm so, <laughs> we had to live the whole year with like thinking. But yeah, Myers four for four, fifty-two. He nailed a fifty-two yarder, knocked in the extra point. Um, he had six kickoffs, and I don't think any of them had a, a big return. His kicks no. made me less nervous this week. Uh, I think Dixon's doing a good job of he's booting more high hangers with the understanding that our coverage unit is really good. And so if he kicks it like maybe two yards less than his maximum length, but puts like an extra second of hang time on it, it, that's as far as it goes. I think Michael Dixon is extremely coachable as a punter, meaning he will do whatever he's asked to do. So when they say hang it up there, he does it. Boot it in the end zone, he does it. Corner, coffin corner, do it. Run it out of your own end zone for a first down that you should try and do. He doesn't, <laughs> dude. You know that was like a that was like a read thing. They're yeah. like, if you ever see this, you're running. And he went out there and he that saw was it. One of those no and, no no yes he, yes yes. And moments. he was like, and you know if Pete was like, hey, if Pete would have been able to talk to him, he'd have been like, hey, this time don't do that because we're like pinned pretty deep. But he he went out there, he saw the read, he made the play. He it, saw the opportunity and he took it. It's like that. Um, it reminds me of that story that uh. That uh, the Pat McAfee tells about how he's going <laughs> to run in the touchdown against Paul Amalu. And if you if you go on YouTube, Google the story. It's from it's from an old Pat McAfee show where he's like, I'm going to run in a touchdown on the Steelers because we have this play that's called. And here comes Paul Amalu <laughs> coming over to the where I'm supposed to run for the first time in his entire career. <laughs> it's just it's pretty funny. It's a good it's a good story. All right, any any final thoughts before we head over into the money zone? Yeah, I'm just optimistic about the first team offense and. I feel like the rest is really hard to judge based on the way the blocking works. I hope that we can get that sorted out so we can really get two games to see what's going on. And I, I feel like there's going to be some interesting cuts, some uh, some sad people to see go. Yeah. This, we're cutting talent. I'll say this. I wanted to say when we were talking to Deshaun Shedd, go out there to any media and listen about how Deshaun Shedd is back and how it's great that he's, you know, we got him back on a $1 million deal. Only on this podcast will you get the hard-hitting analysis that he's probably not making this team. That's why we're awesome. He's 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 got a he's got a ways to go. He, the first game was better than this game, and this is the game where he had the the eighty-eight. No, I touchdown. think it's fair because we're not just spouting like they bullshit. really last year. Everyone in the mainstream media and uh, our nemesis field goals were like, "Oh, you you know Puna Ford, you guys might like him, but he's not making this team." And this podcast was all in on Puna Ford. And listen, is there a guy that we're all in on this year that maybe other people are not? I feel like I'm I'm almost getting there with John Ursua, where I'm like getting ready to throw all my chips on the on the John. It's hard. Ursua He's got to do something. I'm not all in on him. I feel uh, like we're counteracting the anti-penny crowd. Nico, oh and yes, yes the the penny haters. I Nico like Thorpe. 
A lot of people are just like counting him out, like he's not going to make the team. That guy is our special teams captain. They are they have so much respect for him, and they are giving him every opportunity this preseason to show he can play any corner. And if he plays even serviceable corner this preseason, he's a hundred percent making this team. Oh, Jaron Brown, there's a guy that Jaren we're all in Brown. on. That yes. one hates. I'm not, that's my corner. Get off of my corner. I was the first guy on Jaron Brown's corner. JB's my dude. That's you know, fine. you know another reason I'm I like JB is. JB hangs out with Russell Wilson all the time in the offseason. There's no way that they guy would. Oh my god, people are so stupid. I feel okay. like uh, Ugo Amadi <laughs> is another guy we're higher on than you're hearing. Oh yeah. And Ethan Posich is a guy who's just now finally getting written off by other people, and we're just now talking about him being yeah, good. We're just coming around on him for sure. Okay. Uh, post, uh, post post sleeper post hype sleeper Ethan yeah. Posich. Um, I'm I'm excited about the first yeah like Kevin said the first team offense looks like it could be pretty decent um, and here let me get let me get on this corner first the see everyone says we should trade Postage maybe for like a seventh rounder I don't think we should trade Postage I think we should trade Justin Britt I want to be the first guy to say that that contract is going to be really tough to go in next year and pay him eleven million dollars to play slightly above average center if there's a guy on this team that I'd want to give up for like a fifth rounder it's Justin Britt that's that there I'm gonna be why on would you why too. would you trade such such good depth at center for a seventh I'm not trading. Kid. I'm not trading him. Like, not you. I'm now. just saying anyone who's thinking that, get out of here. Some teams would. Like, And then, then we'll have like 85 draft picks next year. Okay. <laughs> um, let's give a shout out to all of our uh, pa- Patreons. Uh, Patreon is a great way to support the Seahawks Nest podcast. For as little dollar twenty four a month, you can get a hold of our gambling thoughts. Uh, you could be like Forrest, Richard, James, Chuck, Attila, Tom, Lucas, Carrie, Bob, Kieran, Brett. Mike, David, Flockness Prime, Frank, Michelle, Brian, and big shouts to Dustin who sends us like a little Skrilla on PayPal every once in a while. Everyone supporting the show, letting us know that you want us to keep going and never give up, uh, which is encouraging to me because sometimes it's like hard <laughs> to to do this Especially every to do it to do it fifty two weeks a year is is a commitment, and uh, we, we, it's uh, it's great to know that people really care. Uh, Especially this like four week block right around school starting when yeah. Nathan and I are trying desperately not to die inside. And last uh, week when we had a really long podcast and Nathan goes, "Okay, I'm going to go to the bathroom," and then we're going to record the Patreon podcast. And, and we me were and both Ke- like, oh. me and Kevin go, "Wait, oh. wait till you get that one in this <laughs> when you get that one this week too." Okay, so uh, another thing, we got another iTunes review. We're up to 75 5.0 reviews. Love us or hate us, go give us an iTunes review at this point. I'm looking for someone to get... No, I don't want you to give us our one-star review. Give us five stars. It really helps. It helps people find the show. Helps people uh, like us. Um, and I just want to give a shout-out to uh, Corbin Corbin Smith, who's making really good Seahawks content. If you uh, like the Seahawks, and you do because you're listening to this, uh, Corbin Smith does videos for Seahawks Maven, and he also is taking over the Locked On Sports podcast. Uh, it's short, but it's every day. It's pretty good stuff. Um, I just shout-out to that. I like to kind of shout other content creators because it's hard out there. Does here. good in-game content on Twitter if you don't just like follow. I feel like me. sometimes he gets a little too newsy though. Like, like, yes, like I don't want you to it. be Bob Condota, Cor- Corbin. Please be, please be Corbin. Okay, <laughs> then um, the uh, ah, legitimate media. The <laughs> sorry, had to. I just buried Bob Condota. Um, <laughs> and uh, then uh, the last thing. Uh, if you support the Seahawks podcast, you could stitch your SoundCloud, wherever you find your podcast, give us a thumbs up, a like, a heart, uh, go on to Twitter, give us some hearts. Um, then we had a Seahawks, uh, show topic. You ready for this? Someone sent us a message. They sent it seven hours ago and I thought it'd be fun to get to it right now. Okay. Um, 
So there's two trades that people are saying that are like in discussions. Okay. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Jadavian Clowney. Um, so what do you guys think? Would you trade for either of these guys? Um, and then maybe explain why or why not. I'm going to go, I'll start with Zeke because I think this is the easy one. I wouldn't trade for him because in 2019 to pay a running back $12 million is super rough. It's not a good idea. I think the most you can give him on a per year basis is like 10 and we'd have to probably give up. That means we are giving up on Penny and we're giving up on Carson. So we'd have to either like work it so that we're trading those guys specifically for Zeke straight up with no draft picks or something like that. That's the only way I could see the trade actually working. Now, at that point, I'm kind of into it. I'm fine with it. I would trade Chris Carson and, and Brashad Penny for Ezekiel Elliott at $10 million. I think that's fine. It's fine. It limits our ability. It hamstrings our ability to go get another wide receiver to play across from Tyler. But maybe DK is the guy anyway, so who cares? Um, uh, that's that's kind of my thought on that. Ezekiel Elliott's a special talent. Great blocker. Great runner. Great pass catcher. He's probably the best or second best running back in the entire league, depending on how you feel about Saquon Barkley. Um, I, any other thoughts about Ezekiel Elliott? I think that I don't. I don't have any reason why you'd want to make that trade. Uh, we were the number one running game last year. Zeke is a special talent. He's also uh, some trouble that I don't want. He's also looking for a bunch of money. You know, Pete loves his reclamation projects. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He also likes saving money, and uh, I think Rashad Penny is a reclamation project enough. There's no way you would ever make this deal, ever. And I think Pete knows it. I think in any realistic scenario where it's worthwhile for the Seahawks, it's not worthwhile for the Cowboys. So it, I think that's just a pretty flat no for a lot of the reasons. You it started. has to just be the running backs for the running backs, right? Like, it, it, there's, Which no, there's no if, way they would do. If we if we give up any draft capital in Ezekiel Elliott trade and, and pay him, it's dumb. It's very dumb. I'll say this, Nathan. Your trade that you said, if they threw us a number one draft pick with it, I'd do it. No, there's no way they would do that. Right, exactly. They, they would want like at least a yeah. second or and third at not least worth back it. with those players. Okay, uh, Jadavian Clowney. Kevin no. starts off. Why, why not? Jadavian Clowney flashes the ability to rush the passer, but is mostly explosive as a run stopper, as a 3-4 outside rush linebacker. He's a bad fit for our system. And we would basically be having to trade something for him and then give him Frank Clark money. And we just got rid of Frank Clark and didn't pay Frank Clark Frank Clark money. And he fits better into what we do. So we would be giving up a contract to a player that does the role worse than the player that we just gave up. The thing about that Con- seems bad. The thing about Connie for me is is. Yeah, he's an extra special pass rusher. He's a really good pass rusher, and he's Sometimes. a really good run stopper, especially for his size, considering he's like 255 pounds. The problem with Jadavian Clowney is that we just decided we weren't going to pay a defensive end a bunch of money, so there's no way we're going to do it now. And I keep hearing this rumor come up. It's just, I'm just going to tell you guys, it's not happening. You know who makes more sense than that out of all the guys on the market? Uh, Trent Williams. Sure, like just anybody who's not crazy expensive. Play Trent Williams at right tackle. So, yeah, Brown I would and Williams tackle accommodation. Yeah, I'll the, take that all day. So the the us trading for like a tackle is uh, offensive tackle is way more realistic to me than us trading and for a. We could probably take? trade a Fetty and draft assets for Williams with the way that uh, Washington's oh game strong right now. And Washington uh, Washington has to trade him. They're like four. Describe your draft assets because now I'm peaked. Okay, so uh, if it was 
a Fetty, um, a player who probably wouldn't be making our roster, and a third. Uh, third. I, that's not enough. Third. I don't. I do not think they give up Trent Williams without getting at least a second round pick back. Maybe even a first even with a Fetty. It's got to be really similar to the Dwayne Brown package. Whatever they get back for him, I would give up a Fetty and a two for him. Oof. And a Fetty better not fail the friggin' physical. <laughs> uh, yeah, a Fetty in a second seems like a possible package. No would, promises, Kevin. Um, I think that's a worthwhile trade. Trent Williams is so good. That would give us two of the top ten offensive tackles in the NFL. Um, and uh, Williams might not necessarily play all 16 games. He hasn't in a few years. But he also has been dealing with Washington's... Uh, legendarily bad medical staff. Yep. But the thing is... Our medical staff and strength and conditioning team is also pretty legendarily bad. Um, they called him Ivan. They called our strength and conditioning coach Ivan the Terrible at, at USC. USC because he was so bad at keeping players healthy. So I'm not sure that it's going to be a lot better here for that. Um, and I think, but I would still I take really 14 th- games of amazing. I'm going to say this. I, w- I was kind of saving this take for later in the preseason, but this this uh, I, Ivan is like a big problem. They, we have a lot of guys dinging up injuries, ringing up small injuries all the time, and I got to think that that's because the strength coach is trash. That just like Lily, they told us he was because he can't keep dudes healthy, man. We can't look at our offensive line depth. Our offensive line is like we're throwing Nikonza out there for 53 snaps in, in a preseason game because we don't have anyone else who can play tackle on the whole roster. That's healthy. That can even suit up to play. It's ridiculous. And if he gets hurt, then what? They probably would have thrown postage back out there at tackle, like some ridiculous shit like that. It's a big problem. We've had a lot of people get dinged. Now, this is like a lot of CR's content even after the, the ad break. I'm like, we're bringing it. Okay. Yeah, glad for those of you stuck around for Movie Club, congrats. Okay. Um, let's. Uh, oh, there's a good conversation on Twitter about also the uh, Russell Wilson's rank and the, the QB tiers that CBS Sports put out. Um, I'm just going to say those ranking lists are designed to get you to react too much to them. I wouldn't worry about it. Russell Wilson's like the fourth or fifth best quarterback in the NFL, and we have him under contract for the next like yeah, four years. Yeah, he's ours, and it doesn't matter. Um, and his his peak is first. And he so, just bought whatever. the entire Sounders team, if I just scan the picture in the paper, so it's he's here forever <laughs> the end. Okay, so this week for Movie Club, um, we, we're going to look at the, the, the works of an actor. A legendarily <laughs> shit actor who has put out more turds than I think uh, you can imagine. He's been in three good movies, and they're all the How to Train Your Dragon movie. That's right. Gerard Butler drops another deuce on the on the onto America this week with Angel Has Fallen. Uh, a sequel much, to much a like movie. Red's child I, taking a dump in the box office. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'm not. I don't love Gerard Butler. I'm just gonna go through. A, we're going to go through, and what we're going to do is we're each going to say one Gerard Butler movie that we think doesn't suck, and then we're going to discuss it a little bit. So, Kevin, go ahead and start us off. What's right. your Gerard Butler movie that doesn't suck? So, Spotlight. Wait. <laughs> Should I not do that joke? Yeah, don't do that okay, joke. So that, he wasn't in Spotlight. <laughs> I know. I wasn't going to do the, the Mark Rafala joke. Because <laughs> you right. kept doing that. You see, Kevin, before the podcast, <laughs> kept doing this. He kept saying, oh, was he, or Eric goes, was he the Incredible Hulk? And then Kevin was like, was he Was he in Spotlight? It's like, no, that's Mark Ruffalo. It's not Gerard <laughs> Butler. <laughs> that's that's the joke. Um, Just so, kind of like how that movie Ready or Not is coming out this week, and it has, like, knockoff Margot Robbie in it. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> it. So That's not really Margot Robbie? No, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's Samara Weaving. Uh, Elrond's niece. Wow. <laughs> I'm serious. I just, I just got took. 
You really, you really tripped. thought that was a. That I was just, Robbie? I was like, oh, it's got a famous actor now. Come, I've never heard of it. It's Robbie well, Margo. Um, there it is. So, <laughs> so I'm gonna pitch 2018's uh, Den of Thieves, and let me get the flaw out of the way. No, no, let let, let let us bash it. You just tell us what's good. Okay. So Ooh, we got to go hard on a Gerard Butler movie. Wow. Uh, Den of Thieves. If you like a heist movie, which you know. Two-thirds of this room loves a heist movie, oh, and one-third of this heist. movie greatly enjoys heist movies. Okay, sure. <laughs> uh, this movie hits every piece of the heist. You have uh, the plan. You have the uh, reveal at the end. You have the assembly of the crew. Uh, you have Ice Cube's son. You have Ice Cube's son. Uh, you have a... 50 Cent? 50 Cent's in this movie, yes, dude! That's good. Yeah, I'm pit- I'm helping. I'm a, bi- I'm a big Curtis fan. <laughs> Curtis, <laughs> I like Curtis. I like Kurt. Oh and no, no one Kurt has fan no here. one has ever taken a sub. I feel like everyone who calls Fifty Cent and- Curtis gets shot. So the Seahawks mess is in trouble now. <laughs> well, I I have been shot three less times than he has in his lifetime. <laughs> so oh, I feel like my odds are good. Um, so <laughs> I'm done. Uh, so this movie focuses on. M- Primarily Gerard Butler's character, uh, with the worst name ever of Big Nick O'Brien, yeah. who, uh, this is a cop who most definitely sits on the edge of his desk. Uh, he's <laughs> part of a crew that takes down bank robbers in the L.A. area, and he's supposed to be kind of a badass who's a leader of other people who really wish that they were Mel Gibson in Lethal Weapon, and it works in a very hokey, cheesy, and charming kind of way. Uh, there's multiple times where he conflicts with the more straight arrow cops because his living on the edge, uh, desk sitting brand of justice is the only way to keep this town clean and some other stuff. So it definitely plays into a lot of the tropes. And the thing I like about this movie is it steers into the tropes often until it doesn't. Uh, I feel like there's some really good action set pieces in this movie. Uh, there's a very funny scene where uh, the heist crew, uh, one of their, they're having a party at the one guy's house, and he introduces his daughter's boyfriend to all the other people in his heisting circle, and they intimidate the crap out of him. It's a very charming and dumb scene. Uh, there are a <laughs> lot of these scenes littered throughout the movie, and then the heist itself gets the camera time it deserves. Um, it's slightly more elaborate than it should be. Uh, it is, there are, uh, narrative reasons to have tension. Um, it's just a very enjoyable scene. The things that this does, movie does well, it does extremely well. If you like a heist movie, if you like Italian Job, if you like the Oceans movies, this is a movie that you can definitely pop on and enjoy if you have a long Saturday afternoon available. Are we bashing now or after? Let me give a little bit. Let me just give a little... Um, Den of Thieves. I, give it like, I think I gave it a two and a half or out of five or two. And I, I think it's solid. There is definitely a really good movie encapsulated in the absurd 140-minute runtime of this movie. Oh. But at the end of the movie, I think I felt like I was going to pass out from exhaustion. It's ridiculously long um, for no reason. And Gerard Butler gained like 30 pounds for this role. It shows, and he never took it off because I saw those trailers for Angel Has Fallen. <laughs> it ruined him forever. <laughs> uh, there's a scene where they're eating donuts. I think they just had to do a bunch of takes on that scene. 
Like, I read. I read online that he, he he had to gain weight for the role. They made him gain weight. Yeah, he looks like an overweight alcoholic. All right, like good job method acting. Yeah, why would you method act for an STX movie? <laughs> Congratulations, you method acted to look like young Rodney Dangerfield. Good job. Directed by the guy who wrote who wrote Olympus Has Fallen. Well, that's his. That's his bro. Uh, when... You know, this could have been his uh, his castaway. <laughs> it's a it's it's solid but not spectacular. When Kevin was describing this movie, I was looking it up and I was just like. I have no idea this movie came out. This is not a movie I would see. But maybe now I will, Kevin. If it's on TV and the uh, mood I hits me right. I believe it's on Prime. Maybe then. Uh, if, it, if, it's go- if it comes on a streaming service, uh, just put it on while you're doing something. Uh, you'll know when something important's happening. Because it'll be a time where you feel like looking at the screen. Oh, it's a big crash. Got it. Alright, you guys are you guys ready for mine? Yeah. All right. Let's do it. So here we go. Uh, if you like Snatch... And you like Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Well, then 2009's Rock and Rolla, starring Gerard Butler, Tom Wilkinson, Thandie Newton, Idris Elba, and Tom Hardy. Oh, and Ludacris. Oh, there's like so many good people in this movie. Uh, might, Ludacris might be right into your uh, into your wheelhouse. It's just more of the same like Guy Ritchie shit, which is like, it's like zany crime comedy stuff. Um, and yeah, Gerard Butler plays the the gangster one two, and he's part of the Wild Bunch. And uh, yeah, they there's a bunch of you know Guy Ritchie shit happens in this movie. It's hijinks, it's zany stuff, uh, it's funny. There's double crosses, you know, just all this stuff. And then they really wanted to make a sequel because the closing card says uh, the Wild Bunch will return in the real Rock and Rolla, which is a movie that um, <laughs> we're ten years on and it never got made. So so Guy Ritchie said he wrote the script. He, some people want him to make it, but he keeps getting big movies, so he can't and he can't turn those down. Which his most recent one was, of course, Aladdin. He was the director of Aladdin. Um, I don't think this movie's like great, so you, you don't really have to talk talk me into it. It's just more of the same kind of stuff that he was doing before. I'd give it like a three or a three and a half out of five, but it's fun. It's a it's a good diversion. It has Guy Ritchie stuff, good editing, uh, cool music. Yeah, it's just it's just that kind of stuff. All right. Uh- all right, uh, my my objection is just going to come from how do you have Idris Elba, Tom Hardy, like you got a legitimate cast in this movie, and you the, decided to make like mediocre knockoff snatch. Like, congrats! No, wow, the Wild Bunch is cool, dude. It's Elba, Hardy, Butler. Like, they, there's like yeah, they did such a great job of like wasting a, a really interesting premise oh. and these really good actors, and then just doing like a really eh job with by it. the numbers. It's pretty by the numbers, I'll admit it. It definitely is. Like, I'm glad this came out after Lucky Number Eleven and like nine other movies that are this movie. Well, yes. it came out after Snatch, <laughs> which is an also which a guy started Ritchie these movie. movies. Yeah, that's why I said it was a knockoff Snatch to begin with. I feel like Guy Ritchie just keeps trying to remake Snatch, and that's fine because, you know, that's such a fine movie, but nothing's going to recapture that glory. Nathan, I think this is a fine movie, but this is a Gerard Butler is in this movie. No, Gerard Butler is first on the fucking title card. I know he's first on the fucking title card, but watch (laughs) this movie. How does he get top billing over Idris Elba and Tom Hardy, too? Tell me when you watch this movie that he is the star of this movie. You cannot. There's I mean, no way. It's really, he's on the poster. He's all over the trailer. But when you watch this movie, there's no way he is the star of this it's, film. It's him, Toby Kebbell, and Tom Wilkinson. Like they're, It's really like three guys carrying the movie. But they gave, of those three guys, Butler's the top star. Don't forget uh, Chaz Palminteri. Chaz <laughs> Isn't Mark Strong in this movie, too? Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's, and Jeremy Piven. It's another guy who should... Oh, fuck Jeremy Piven. <laughs> uh, Mark Strong should, should receive... Tom Wilkinson's so good. Like mm-hmm. in everything he ever does, yeah. ever. 
Um, Guy Ritchie knows his actors. Yeah, he. I this this movie's no joke. I would say if you throw this on in the background on a uh, on a day, you're gonna enjoy yourself. That's that's it. That's I'm not. You know what? I looked at all Gerard Butler's movies, and none of them are like great. I'm not. <laughs> none of them are a classic to me. We're naming three three out of fives here. We're naming folks. three watchable films that he was in. All right, Eric. And we give us your watchable film. We had to scour the whole list. My film is the fan favorite, Three Hundred. Oh, the one hundred percent. It's also my favorite movie from Gerard Butler. Two hundred more than you when know. I want to watch. When I want to watch gay porn, I just go to Pornhub. It I don't is, need to watch the three hundred. I'd say it's my second favorite gay porn of all time. Uh, <laughs> Brokeback Mountain being my first. Um, this movie, if you like overacting, if you like overacting, if you like theatrical acting in a genre action flick. With painted abs. If you really enjoy... No, they had to do that workout yeah. that everyone posted on the yeah, internet this is, for like six years yeah, straight. Yeah, they, they just airbrushed They just airbrushed them to, uh, to deal with the comic feel. They airbrushed the workout, too. If you also enjoy the comic stylings of uh, Nathan's favorite director in the entire world... I'm kind of a Zack Snyder apologist. I'll yeah. admit it. But, uh, I, but I think this movie sucks. And... Go ahead. Hold continue. on. Let me. Let me. You guys are <laughs> jumping all over before I have a chance to talk. If you like, also uh, young actors just g- gaining their chops. This has a young fast bender in it, in a very There's a slow bender at the time. In a very role. <laughs> <laughs> he literally plays a dinner role. Uh, yeah. So this this movie is uh, based on the not one hundred percent true story of the three hundred Spartans. <laughs> let me just get this out of the way. If you want to be entertained and watch an action movie, and there's someone listening to this being like, what the fuck, 300's rad. You know what? I respect that because it's fine. You know it's what? fine enough. You want to know why the 300 sucks, Eric? The protein shake you want to know why the 300 Chad. sucks? Frank Miller sucks. I yes, said it. Frank Miller is he's a... He's like the most overrated comic author, I think, of all time. He's, he's ruined two of his own... Uh, ideas with and movies. everything he does that's cool he cancels it out with like four things that are ridiculously uncool yes yeah well, that's probably true Sin City I was gonna say Sin City don't reread uh, Sin Batman, City keep the memories Batman like, Superman Dawn of Justice comic is not what you remember yeah it's um this is a fine movie though it includes a very interesting Xerxes what'd you, uh, what'd you, <laughs> what'd you think of All Star Batman and Robin Eric uh, it's awful. It's one of the worst comics I've ever read. But it sure is pretty to look at because Jim Lee is a uh, is a '90s comic artist doing Batman. Um, what else am I missing from this movie? Oh, of course, there is a scene where uh, you get to see Xerxes harem, and there is a goat person playing a flute and queen smoking Cer- drugs. Queen Cersei is the is the queen in this movie, but she's actually cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's some there's some really great actors in this movie. And Gerard Butler is a, is a Scottish man playing a Greek soldier and just shouting theatrically, it's fine. And that's why I it's, like 300. You know what? Fine is a good way to describe it. I, I like to make fun of this movie a lot because I like hate Frank Miller. And I think this is just like... And everyone loved this, this movie because they'd so... never really seen anything like it. And I would say, like uh, Sin City, it is a very direct adaptation. They didn't they didn't really mess around with too much except for the goat man. Um but it's it's just theatrics. It's the when you know the whole this is Sparta when he kicks the man down the well. That is it's very entertaining. It, it was cool the first time you saw it. It's also very much winking at the camera because there's this whole build up to it. You can see they're backing him up to it, and then they take their time. 
then Gerard Butler kind of looks at the camera just off of it and says, you know, yells, this is Sparta. Then they go with the fast to very slow stylized motion kick. That is what Zack Snyder does, and Gerard Butler got to be a part of it. This is the cinematic equivalent of a spot fest. There are certain scenes that take a while to set up so that they can shoot it exactly one way with, like, CGI beard wind and uh, a lot of kind of oddity to the way that things are shot. Um, you know, it's doing a thing, and if that thing is good for you, like, like go for it. But it's just... It feels like everything is just being set up as these elaborate set pieces. Is it a is it a Katy Perry song? Like it's it's just an awful song, but it's got a really hooky chorus. Yes, thank you. I will, I will give that. That's that's it why looks, for me it was a it's like a two and a half out of five. It's good to look at. Zack Snyder really has a visual style that I think really worked for this movie, but I'm still gonna make fun of it all the time because it's just so corny. Um, all right, I don't know. It's like a store bought chocolate cake. If you really need some chocolate, like, go for it. But you're going to start getting depressed at some point. All right. If you are a big fan of any of these Gerard Butler movies, or if you're a big fan of Reign of Fire and you want to yell at us for not talking about it. Or maybe The Bounty Hunter. Uh, no, not Reign of Fire. Well, I yes, could, I love you. I could see someone yelling at us for Reign of Fire. The Bounty Hunter, I doubt it. If I someone anyone remembers If someone adds us and is like, the Phantom of the Opera movie where he played Phantom is the shit, I'm going to be like shaking my please, Huge somebody, somebody, Dracula please. 2000 fan. Ugh. Okay, for Eric, for Kevin, Was we will see you next 2000? week. Go Hawks.